Welcome to Terminal Talk, a podcast on mainframe and mainframe-related topics. I'm Frank. And I'm Chad, filling in for Jeff, who got called away on a secret government mission today. <laughs> and our special guest today is Ed Jaffe, who is like chief cook and bottle washer. Sure, I could do that. <laughs> that works for me. I just learned that one. I'd never heard that before. Now CCBW? <laughs> yeah, that's excellent. Yeah, actually, my boss called himself that for many years oh. at, at Phoenix. And this is, this is the second time you've done... Uh, it is. And the last time I was wearing share socks, this time I'm wearing IBM Z socks. Oh, see? So, we'll have to make sure we catch that. These Why are aren't little... we checking everyone's socks, Frank? <laughs> <laughs> We've got to go back and redo these now. <laughs> so uh, the important question at the end of this, you'll have to say, is how much better is it when Jeff isn't on the show? Just, you know, putting that out there. We'll, we'll get to that <laughs> shortly. So let's just start kind of high. What you've been working on? Well, actually, we've been working on some pretty cool stuff that I, I know IBM's happy about, but uh, it, it all has to do with install on ZOS. Sometimes I'll say Z, but I always mean ZOS because I'm, you know, ZOS guy. Because <laughs> that's the Z, let's, right? Let's, let's, just, let's face that's it. That's the real Z. Yeah, yeah. That's the Z. I don't want to put anybody else down. It's Sorry just my, the TPF it's guy. It's my bailiwick. <laughs> it's my area of expertise, whatever right. you want to say. And I, it's, it's interesting because... I think I installed my first software product in like 1987. And back then, you know, I got a tape from IBM and, and uh, I got a manual and I, and I uh, read the manual, put the tape up, created a CSI, I did a receive, apply, accept. And we really haven't changed that very much since then. <laughs> right? I mean, it's still exactly the same almost all the time. And, and back in like, I don't know, after 2000, maybe 2004, I thought maybe we should think about writing a, a, a GUI installer and try to get the industry to, 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 to use this. I, was, I actually sort of designed it out in my mind and stuff. And then I kind of realized, you know, we don't have enough clout to kind of really get IBM on board with this. And they would have to completely change everything they were doing to make it a success. So kind of just let that idea sit on the back burner. And then CA decided to do exactly the same thing. So I, I'm not sure exactly what year they started, but I think it was around 2007. And they wrote this mainframe software manager product. I don't know if either one of you guys have ever seen this. That thing. was the Fagan interview, I believe, that got the, the infamous Fagan interview. Okay. Had that discussion. Yes. Yep. Notorious, yeah. infamous. The Those notorious are words we used for Fagan. Yes. And, uh, and that thing was great. And so, and I played with it and I loved it because it did some really cool stuff. Is that like Chorus? Is that, is that what that Chorus was? Chorus was part the, of it. They decided to brand it. Yeah. It started off as MSM, and then they yes. branded it with Chorus along with a bunch of other You still things. see MSM in the CA install docs all the time. Right. Yeah. MSM is, is what, you know, and even that's what the some of the messages and things like that right. still say. But anyway, it was great because it was all atomic. If anything failed halfway through an install, it would back out the entire thing. It was great. You never had a half-installed thing, which has always been a problem. Right, right. right. How do you recover? So I said, this thing's going to take off. This is great. So we went ahead and enabled. We partnered with them. We enabled one of our software products to work with it. And then I set about trying to convince uh, other ISVs to do the same thing with limited success. And I like the word limited better than zero. Because <laughs> it means that at least one person listened to you. <laughs> no one. Didn't get a single 
Didn't get a single bite on this. <laughs> that is there still was limited. Only one other. It's limited. Very limited. <laughs> <laughs> there was, we prefer exclusive. It's <laughs> limited. <laughs> exactly. The only other ISV that ever did this outside of CA, of course, was uh, New Era. Those guys are very right. forward thinking, but they it had nothing to do with me. They did it before we did. In fact, they were the ones that told us you could partner with CA to do this. So anyway, that was unfortunate. You know how long ago that was? Two thousand nine. Wow. So here we are, ten years later, and uh, ne- but we've been talking with IBM and a lot of ISVs. There's actually thirty three of us that have registered interest in this kind of thing. They run monthly calls, and I would say there's a handful. Uh, that are working on it. And I was kind of um, backseat, just listening, letting them run the show. They're figuring out what they want to do and a lot of discussion and blah, blah, blah. And then probably like last, like August, September, one of our customers asked us if, if we were going to do this kind of install, use the OSMF to do an install for one of our products. And that's when I went, oh, I guess we have to get serious about this thing. <laughs> so in October, we started trying to do it and so like actually, a workflow like a workflow um, software management yes exactly i, I was going to let him tell his story before no but right no in. that's good and oh, i, I had, like to know where this is going i, I, I usually seen, read the last chapter first since actually what you're supposed to do they give you this rule of thumb where you're supposed to put your conclusion up first on your first slide right. I'm, I'm so bad about that i ramble on and on until people lose interest their eyes glaze over and to the very end i tell them and they're not even there around to hear me anymore well that's what they get if yeah. they were smart they'd stay for the whole thing but yes it's it's based on workflows and zero and uh software management and I mean, it's great stuff. It's coming along. It's very good. And we actually decided to try it. And I'd seen some demos of what some other people were doing. And they were, it was very complicated, really, really complicated, building these workflows, trying to use this workflow editor. It was a very, it looked like a lot of work. And I just don't have enough energy to put a lot of work in it. (laughs) I'm getting a little too old for that. So so we kind of strategized a little bit and said, suppose we... Take our install book, which is kind of like it's actually stored in a thing called Madcap Flare, but it's also in Word. And, and, and anyway, we said, suppose we save it in XML and then just create a bunch of scripts to just massage this thing until it becomes a workflow. And when I say a bunch of scripts, it's really one script with a lot of – nowadays in Windows, you can do sed and you can do grep and right. you can do all yeah. these kinds of Regular utilities. Regular expressions. Yes, all, yeah. all yeah. of that. So, so this, this lady at work did this, and I, I think it took her less than a week to have the prototype to where we could take the book, put it into this script, five minutes later, out came a workflow. And that's what we started with, and it's great. I mean, instead of just text, it's got embedded images, we have CSS, we have nice-looking fonts, we have beautiful tables. It just looks as pro as anything you'd ever want to have because we took this approach and took it from a an existing, working, beautiful book, right? And so, but then the hard part after that is, of course, putting in all the metadata, right? <laughs> all the dependencies between right. steps and the scripts that actually automate things. And that's what we did. Every single step you do, there's workflow automation behind it. And so if you want to, you know, APF authorize some libraries, you press a button and it issues all the right commands with all the right attributes. and You can add to link list. You can add dynamic LPA, whatever. You don't even have to be a sysproc to do this stuff. And uh, so we're kind of proud of it. So, you know, we wanted to talk about it. Yeah, that's actually pretty awesome. Um, Can you tell us a little bit about what it took 
just to get started from a ZOSMF perspective? Did it take a long time to get it started? Oh, you mean to bring ZOSMF up and that yeah. sort of thing? Well, I have a history with ZOSMF. I was one of the, the early complainers. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Back in the day when it was all configured through scripts. Right. And it was, uh, I think it was ZOS 1.11. And, and we had a very slow system back then. Uh, and and I, I, it, it ran, f the configuration script for me ran over the entire weekend and then failed. <laughs> and and I so I tried multiple times to get this thing to work, and each one was about a week long. It was I'm not kidding because yeah. we had a very, um, you know, low MIPS processor, right. and we didn't have zips, and this stuff didn't run on zips anyway. So anyway, they've improved things dramatically right. since right. those still days. Java behind a lot of it though at that point. No, the or, configuration no. scripts were all just shell scripts running in ZOS Unix. Oh, gotcha. And so it was all just CP work. You know, just straight and, and very, very heavy footprint. And ZOSMF used to be slow because it was on WAS OEM, which was really just straight WAS, just OEM'd. And then, then out came Liberty. That was better. And, and uh, you know, and things have just gotten better and better. And now they have a Parm lab for configuration. So, mm -hmm. you know, good old-fashioned, uh, you know, guys like me that still call MVS MVS, we can configure <laughs> this thing without having to know, you know, how to write a shell script or right. anything like that. Right. That was important. So it's it's way different now. And, and it comes pre-enabled on, on uh, I think, 2.3. Yes. Yeah. Yep. So so you don't have to do that much work to get it up anymore. You Actually, what they, they even in Parm lab, they have a security member and if you're okay with all the defaults which is i'm okay with them I, I don't see the problem you submit that and it does all your rack f work and then you're done yeah you know so it's way 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 different than it used to be so if i have if i have a zosmf installed and configured correctly i can pick up your stuff and it just runs correct and so how hard was it to build that uh, kind of dynamic scripting within the workflow? Well, um, it, there are two options that you can use for scripting. You can either write shell scripts, um, pick your flavor, I guess. I think right. they use Bash. Uh, right. Or no, yeah, the original Maybe it is. Yeah, that, that is what they use. Bash is an oh, I have Bash on mine. Yes, I use Bash. That's right. Yeah. It's, it's the, worth it's putting the on. standard. <laughs> it is but because the then SH. you get the autocomplete and all that. Right. The you're right. Shell. The original shell. Which That's is a little less use. functional than Bash, but you can still basically do everything. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. So that you can either write in that or you can actually write in Rex. Well, I'm way more comfortable in Rex. Sure. I've been doing that for, you know, decades. So, so that's what we did. We did Rex and if you if you're proficient in Rex, you can you you even have access to ISPF services. Right. And at the same time, Rex is enabled for calling ZOS Unix services. So, it's sort of the best of both worlds environment. It's actually better than what you would have off platform because they would only have the Unix stuff and not the ISPF stuff, right. and it's better than being in an environment where you only had the ISPF services and not the Unix. So right. it's this amazing hybrid that lets you do all kinds of great stuff. So it? if you're proficient at it, you can you can knock these things together pretty quick. Yeah. What was the um, learning curve to just learning how to put together, you know, one of these like just understanding the the uh, workflow metadata, the access to scripts, you know, the documentation, like how, how did that go? I'm curious. Not, not well. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Not, not well, I will tell you the truth. 
Uh, like what would you improve or so, how, so how, what were the stumbling blocks? They, they delivered a lot of this stuff through continuous delivery. And then they didn't really have a lot of doc that would really describe there's, – there's very few samples. And, and there weren't really – there were big gaps in where they described how you pass data from, from one thing to another. And so there was quite a bit of, you know, experimentation and trying to figure out like how it worked. Engin- like reverse engineering, look at what they've already done. How did we they did do this? We did actually use IBM's the, – the, the, uh, the workflow that Marna Wally developed – for uh, ZOS migration, which they no longer call migration. You guys know they now call it upgrade. Yeah. Upgrade's actually a better word, so that was a good Thanks. move. But anyway, <laughs> uh, so yes, so for ZOS upgrade, there's a migration workflow. Maybe they'll eventually call that an upgrade. <laughs> <workflow. laughs> <laughs> a little behind. A little behind. That's so, a different department. <laughs> so we, we learned a few things out of that, but they were not using any of the more modern f- features that have been added okay. in. Immediate execution scripts. All of theirs is batch. Yeah. Right. So to get the immediate stuff to work was some uh, definite uh, Learning by trying stuff? Yes, exactly. Right. And that brings, you know, Brings me back to my early days as a hacker. Yeah. So, right. you know, I, I don't know if you knew that. but way. Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah. No, I, I completely understand. Yeah. yeah, well, if this works, well, maybe if I just, well, then maybe that thing would also right. work. Right, a lot of tweaking, a lot of guessing, a lot of, you know, yeah. assuming and, yeah. yeah. And just, uh, but but now I'm happy to share it with anybody. I mean, right. you know, anybody can can learn from what we've done. And, and I've even gotten some great ideas just being here. Well, I have to back up a little bit. Last week before share, I did a webinar, and that webinar, a lot of people have seen it, and I've got a lot of uh, positive responses on what was in the webinar, the content. I basically walked through and tried to, uh, you know, demonstrate all the things that make Workflow such a great platform for this kind of thing, and and I got some uh, some good ideas from that. People saying, hey, maybe you could do this or that, so it's kind of a collaborative thing. We're sort of the first ones out there with something to look at, and if I get some good ideas, we'll incorporate them. We'll have customers look at and have them give us ideas, and then maybe people will innovate out on their own and give me new ideas later. And and I think what I'd like to do is go back to my limited success in trying to get people interested in something and maybe redeem myself by this time (laughs) actually getting people interested in something to where as a community we can – make this thing really a gold standard installer like the real value in what you did from my from my chair as you know like fellow hacker right is is the method you went through to get this and then making it teaching it i mean obviously you benefit for your own product right but like teaching somebody else how to do it for their product or making the method easier and faster like that's that's a huge benefit right and there's a lot of really smart people out there there's a lot of you know if you're the smartest person in the room you're probably in the wrong room right (laughs) and and i think that other people can take our approach or their own approach and just build on it and come up with with their own like really cool things they learned and then but i do i do you know we did sort of figure out how to put how to embed images in a workflow how to have css in there it was not easy let me tell you, that was hacking right, right there. Yeah. But but we're happy to share it. You know, in fact, I've already shared some of it in a Bitbucket before. Cool. Yeah, I was going to say, are we going to see a, a share session uh, on how to do this? That was suggested in the Wednesday yeah. planning meeting. So uh, if that's what they want, I'll do it. And I'm also uh, – I, I spoke to uh, Mark Wilson and he that thought yeah, that right. maybe <laughs> something like that might be good at GSC. I don't know. You know, if, if people want to hear it, I'm, I'm happy to talk. I like to talk. <laughs> <laughs>
Yeah, uh, and what, what I'd like to do is make sure that we get the uh, URL for, did you record the, the uh, your webinar? Yes, the webinar is recorded. I can tell you the URL. And then it's, we'll put that in our notes. It's uh, I think you need HTTPS, too, to get to this thing. We've we locked down our website these days. We don't allow all that old Fancy. Stuff. I know. It's badass. Wow. www.phoenixsoftware.com slash webinar. Oh, or is it webinars? With the S, webinars. Okay. Wow. Yes. Who are you asking there? What was that? That was like, you just like, Rico, was that page down memory to, that you were pulling in? I had to turn to my, to my left over here, and I noticed Donna Hootie listening. And so uh, I, I didn't actually create this URL, so I had to just double check. Well, you know, considering all the other gestures she's been doing to you during this whole thing. Oh, nice. I haven't <laughs> seen those, but We've now been watching. I know. Yeah. Nice. Well, that's awesome. It, it sounds like you're really kind of breaking ground on new stuff. And um, I know that it's been hard for people to get started in Zeosa Math. And having something like this, which is not just getting the job done, but doing it with some elegance is kind of a cool thing. And I think if people can use that as a, and, and not just people who are trying to install, but people who, who want to use that as a stepping stone to do uh, other management kind of uh, capabilities. Absolutely. I think customers can use it for their own internal processes. I think, you know, we'll, we'll be coming up on some service, obviously, for products. Our view, obviously, is, you know, building shrink wrap software is going to be that. But I do agree, it has a lot of usefulness. Do you imagine a, <clears throat> I mean, I came from a large enterprise, I was there for a while. Uh, do you imagine that we'll come to a day where you said, you know, you don't have to be a sysprog to do this. Do you imagine we'll come to a day where we'll bring Z software in and it will literally be somebody who doesn't doesn't sysprog at all, right? Like, do you even sysprog, right? Like, this guy's guy, woman is going to be like, we're going to install this software and that's their job and they're going to do it, you know, they've never never having sysprogged on a mainframe? My, my view is, let me just start by saying that if you install something on Windows, let's say, I'm just using Windows as an example, like Office, there are like a hundred steps to that, and they hide them all. Yeah. They just take a d default for everything. Right. And then you customize as you go, or if you need advanced customization, you have to reg edit or something like this. The, the sort of a culture of a ZOS install is not like that. They want all the steps exposed. And so that's the way our workflow is today. But I do believe that there's an opportunity there as time goes on, to start combining some of these steps to where instead of saying, you know, step one is APF authorized, run this script, and it does it for you, which is great. Step two, LPA. Step three, link list. Step four, SVC. Now you have a working product. Uh, I think there's opportunity to say, you know, step X, configure the system, and boom, it just does all those steps under the covers, right? And little by little by little, we can uh, compact this all down as people gain more, um, you know, trust in it and believe it's going to do the right thing under the covers to the point where, yes, I mean, you could have somebody that wouldn't even know what was going on. You say install, it's the easy button, and it just goes right to the end. So, I, you know, I can see that happening. I really can. You got me thinking. Um, Uh-oh. No, for, for, <laughs> for, for me, that's the drive, right, is I want to create an environment where I have in every shop, a bunch of drivers who are doing, you know, a bunch of things to direct things, but don't really understand what's going on underneath. And then you have one or two mechanics 
And maybe I don't even need mechanics uh, in-house all the time. Maybe I have one on retainer or, you know, I, to me, that's the model that we have to get to because that is more in line with what happens everywhere else. And still, it allows the platform to be able to be that premier capability. Right. Do you, do you see, Ed, as though, as, as I'm thinking about this, and I'm thinking one of the reasons that works in Windows, for example, is, you know, there's not a ton of customization that even the most advanced Windows administrators do to the core Windows part of it, right? I mean, it's generally installed in the same place, like all the core files are in the same place because it handles that from the get-go. But but ZOS mainframes have grown up over 30, 40 years of all kinds of people. We were having a conversation last night, like people who did, built this are now dead, right? You know, <laughs> and have moved on somewhere along the line. But there's so much customization in the underlying operating systems, how things are implemented, how processes are done, you know, how stuff is installed and cloned and all these kinds of things um, that it makes those easy installs you have to account for all kinds of variables in the underlying implementations or do a lot of research every time. Do you think that's going to be the, the – do you think that's going to be – if you had to predict the future, is that going to be the responsibility of the installer? Or do we also need to start pushing people to start maybe standardizing the, in, the, the actual underlying configs more to make that easier? Uh, I, I think the latter is true. I mean, I think it's, it's, a, it's a shared responsibility, but clearly uh, – you know, people need to try to get modifications out of the operating system, and, and they've been doing that, actually. Yeah. And that session we both attended yesterday. Um, uh, it's a session about JES 3 to JES 2 conversions. Right. Those guys were talking about how they went through all their mods and eliminated a whole bunch of them. Right. You know, just uh, just on principle. They, they didn't want to have to convert them over, so they just got rid of them. <laughs> so I, I think it actually be worth, um, you know, because this is kind of, we, we focus this on some of the newbies. Like, if we're talking about mods on a ZOS system, like if I think about mods on Windows, you, you mentioned RegEdit, and that's usually a pretty, you know, most people don't just do that, right? But but modding a ZOS, well, yeah, most people, right? Uh, but modding a ZOS system was... Was the way it was done. It was an back open source day. operating system right. back then. So it can, was the first you, one. Can you talk a little bit about like if if somebody's saying they're installing a user mod or an exit? Like I know when I started, those things didn't really mean a lot to me. Like, what are they really doing there, and and how does that modify the operating system? Yeah. So the difference between a user mod and an exit, an exit is a is a a point in the code where the operating system or the component, whatever it is deliberately passes control to you as the customer and gives you some freedom to make some choices, right, to to configure something about this path, this code path right now, so that it will maybe provide some sort of a default or, or you know, do some other kind of thing, massage an IP address, whatever it happens to be, and then return with return codes, and then the operating system says, oh, okay, I understand what this exit wanted me to do, and it moves on. Well, if there aren't enough exits for uh, to be able to do what somebody needs done, and they find that it's going to take five years for IBM to respond to their requirement. Why so are you I've looking at me when you say hypothetically? <laughs> hypothetically, <laughs> then they they're under pressure, right? This thing needs to be done. It's got to be done. I need the feature. I, IBM can't do it, and that's a mod. And that's when you actually go in and patch. The operating system in some routine somewhere and Jez, it's easier than than some other things because there's source code available. But there, but a lot of MVS still there is still source code for it. Uh, it's 
you know, it's got a lot of history and there's a lot of modules out there that are still just what they were in XA days and, you know. And so you patch in a change and that's a mod, a true mod. And True this modification. Is, and this is why system programmers are called system programmers and not just administrators, right. right? Because you actually had to be able to write, read, assembly code, this sort of stuff, in order to make the operating system configured the way your enterprise needed it to be. That's right. right. It wasn't just changing ParmLib uh, values. That was part of it. But you literally had to be able to read and write code as an administrator of the system. And I think we're moving towards more policy-based everything right. on MVS. And so I keep calling it MVS. Okay. Sorry about that. That's, That's all right. fine. <laughs> you know, I call VTM, VTM, RACF, RACF. You know, what can There's I say? There's nothing wrong with that. Yeah, all right. So, uh, but, um, yeah, we're getting more there. And they're actually enabling C uh, to be used for exits. They're, they're uh, uh, creating a lot more headers. C headers. Mm -hmm. So I think you're going to see a lot more people writing exits maybe in C than assembler. That's a good step in the right direction, but it's not quite the same as having a policy that can right. handle everything. Right. But Mark like you said, it's a 40-year-old operating system, and people have a lot of different things out there, and <laughs> it's not going to be easy to do them all. Some people are going to have to bite the bullet and just, you know try to standardize on their own and right. get off these mods. Or, or I've seen, you know, ex exits that are generic and have, like, ParmLib-driven definitions instead of, so you don't have to recode the exit. You could just make the changes in a file instead. That's right? the best way right there. Right. Yeah, if you have to have them, that's how you do it. Yeah. yeah well, and we, we do want to move things to be increasingly more standardized because we need people to be using the operating system as a cloud platform. Right. Right. And the more we're like a cloud platform, the easier it is for people to make some of the migrations, right? Um, how much time do most businesses take doing IVPs, installation verification programs, after they've got stuff running, right? The, high, the idea is we, you do that because of, I've highly modified my, my world. Right. As we start to change that model, we can really begin to be more like what people expect systems to be like these right, days. Right. Well, what you want is a standardized set of behaviors. Right. And if you are trying to develop software, either as an app developer, in an, uh, working for a customer, or even as an ISV, if you can't depend on a behavior because it's being modded everywhere you go, right. you just can't use that. Right. You just can't. You have to do your own. And what you want is for a constant set of behaviors, consistency across the industry. Right. That would be ideal. That would be very ideal. Right. You want com common naming conventions, common APIs, um, things that can be modded today, just standardized, right? It's like just because you can have right. um, all of your lists named anything you want, whatever, you know what, now you can't. Now right. it can only be called this. And yes. It's like, right? And now you know when you do the install, like that's what it's called. Exactly. Right? And, and that's, you know, that's how that, that's how that works in other operating systems. Even if it just was done through one level of indirection where you had an ampersand symbol that was, this is what a list you know, pattern looks like or right. something like that right. so that even if it was different, you would still be able to so standardize the way that you, you use it. Like control block by control block <laughs> to get to the answer for every single thing you need. <laughs> exactly. Right? Right. Yeah. 
and and we already kind of have that because we're so lazy. <laughs> we, we don't we don't we don't have system programmers where where we're at, so we just you know lay the operating system down the way it came. And so I like it like that, you know. Why 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 customize it? I I just like the way it comes. It yeah, works great. Let's not say that's lazy. I think that's smart. I think that's intelligent. <laughs> smart, right? okay. yeah. yeah, and also we don't have the resource, but it's still smart. <laughs> well, actually what it proves is that's the path right. to being right. able to get a complicated operating system up and running with very little manpower. Efficiently. And it, exactly. Yeah. And if that's what people want, they want to spend less money and so forth, that's probably a good path to follow. But I want I want it both ways, though. I, mean, I want it to be easy, and I want... I don't want to have to do a lot of work, but I still want it exactly the way I want it. Right. So, I mean, getting people to understand. Well, you're finicky. Yeah. <laughs> getting people to understand how to, to provide the right level of of that kind of role your own, right? The problem is that every ZOS system out there is bespoke, right? Right. And, and we have to get away from that. Everything is, do you really need it to be that? that tailored, there must be something that's a little less tailored, but still gives you the kind of flexibility. This is where you go back to the need. What, right. what is the need that's driving that? Are you customizing it just because you can, or are you customizing because you have some need? And what is that need? And that and then that need might be born out of a lack of education or a lack of known, knowing that there's other tools out there that can do what you need or other ways to get it. Yeah, or, or at the time that you did it, to Ed's point, at the time that you did it, there was no other way of doing it. Right. Right. But that, that day is long gone. And, and, but the SysProg who created that, that's their baby. Right. Right. And so I'm going to use mine because it was such an elegant solution right. and it, perfect for what we I, need. I think there's another thing there, too, that a lot of these modifications, exits, uh, customized behaviors were developed a long, long, long time ago by people that are long gone. They're either right. dead or retired. And the people that are following in their footsteps are afraid to change right. anything. They don't right. want to disrupt the business. Right, right. Right? And, and that right there, you know, there's a fear that they don't want to stick their head up and get it chopped off right. by deleting some code that turned out somebody was using it. Right. Right. Where they don't have the skills to just, like, literally disassemble it and go through and figure out what was doing and figure right. out what they could do instead of that. I mean, or the time or the energy, or the well, You know, if you had management buy-in on this to say, look, let's, let's, let's experiment a little bit. Let's take a, you know, try to take some of these things out and see, does anybody notice? Right. <laughs> <laughs> That's to turn the power strip off and see what doesn't work what, and who hollers. Right? Exactly. Yeah. yeah, but this is lowering your total cost of ownership, right? right. If you it don't does. have to have 12 sysprogs around, high, highly paid, working on this, whatever, we, versus the person who can install software that doesn't. Well, we have a three-way parallel sysplex with no sysprog. We have a computer room with big iron in it, and it's dark all the time. Right. So, you know, it can be done. We should have them come back and just talk about that. At some point. That is actually, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I, I would love to do that. Yeah, we, we, it's literally a real computer room with disk and tape, and but there's nobody in there. Yeah, a lights-off data center. It is. That, true. That's pretty cool. <laughs> But we're already at the bottom of the hour here. How does that happen? It keeps happening. I, I, well, we get good guests. We That's have good guests. Happens. Very good that guests. Is. Awesome. So I want to thank you, Ed, for coming again and talking about this. Well, yeah, thanks, thanks for having Ed. me. It was great. And you and the other guy. Yeah. And, uh, <laughs> uh, remember when Jeff was here? That was so cool. It was so yeah. different. It was different. Those were the days. <laughs> <laughs>
So is it better now, or was it better the first time? Uh, I'm not going to say. Well, Chad, I see him in the bar, you know. Yeah, so. yeah. yeah he might buy drinks. You know <laughs> yeah. Jeff isn't going to. No, no. no. <laughs> <laughs> All right, well, with that, then, this has been Terminal Talk. Old Man Charlie, play us out. You've been listening to Terminal Talk with Frank and Chad. For questions or comments, or if you have a topic you'd like to see covered on a future episode, direct all correspondence to contact at terminaltalk.net. That's contact at terminaltalk.net. Until the next time, I'm Charlie Lawrence, signing off. <laughs>